But I think there will be sub-personas or micro-personas, right? And you will have to hyper-personalize, hyper-personalize your content. And maybe one piece of content will have to be rewritten four or five times for the different audiences, right? Because it's going to be harder to stand out and harder to compete. Uh, so your generic content for everybody uh, is not going to cut it anymore. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy and excited to be joined by Carlos Mesa. Carlos is a guiding voice in an SEO and content creation industry brimming with turbulent growth. As CEO of Crowd Content Media, a leading content writing platform, Carlos has leveraged his past experience as a technology executive, engineer, and corporate um, person to bring innovative <laughs> end-to-end content creation <laughs> solutions uh, to SMBs and enterprise clients around the globe, delivering high-quality, scalable products through the marriage of human talent, technology, automation, and artificial intelligence. Carlos, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, George. I think corporate person that, that I've never been. I've been. I've never been called that. I've been called many things. <laughs> I, I, I can. I can tell you. I can tell you. It's like there was another word that I cannot try to to pronounce right now. Right now, so corporate person. We we can start with that, and I hope that the, right. the the audience will forgive me. So even though I said a couple of things, can you share like a couple of things about your background? And uh, what has brought you to crowd content? Because as I like hear it, it's kind of a diverse background, right? Engineer, uh, you were also into finance or something like that. So uh, anything you can share with us so we can uh, kick things kick things off? Yeah, I just I think uh, when I think back at your question, what brought me here? I think it's just luck, serendipity, and and just curiosity. I always been a curious person and always I've never been happy with the status quo. So I've been bouncing around a little bit. I, I went to school for engineering because it was kind of the, the career that was accessible to me. It was in town, was that we, what, what my parents could afford. And I was good, very good with math. I thought, you know, I could probably afford a good living if I if I can be an engineer. But by by things of, of destiny, um 
I ended up working for for big multinational banks right out of school. I think just because of my math training, I was pretty good for finance. So funny enough, I never I never was a, a real engineer. And then after many years doing that and and working with entrepreneurs, helping them finance their business, helping them buy businesses, I thought that I re- really wanted to be at the other side of the table. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and kind of own my own destiny a little bit more and. And instead of uh, being um, a very small mouse and a very big wheel, I wanted to be maybe maybe, um, uh, have a bigger contribution, even if it was in a smaller business. Uh, And like I said, have more control of my destiny. So yeah, I decided to quit my banking life and started a a small investment fund and went on to to try to buy technology companies. Um, We bought a SaaS company uh, here in Canada, uh, in the education technology sector, and I, I, I was in that company for, for a few years. Then um, this opportunity to, to run crowd content came around, and it was actually really exciting. Uh, the company was very small when I when I joined, and we have now uh, double our size in a couple in a couple of years, and and it's a bit, been a very exciting um, space. I think the content marketing. Um, and the marketing world are very, very interesting and the media polish and all that are, are growing and there's so much demand for it. So I thought that was that was a very, very interesting opportunity for me. I so I think that with this background, uh, crowd contents, financial will be, everything will be in order, right? But, <laughs> but that aside, can, can you say a couple of things about crowd content, uh, what crowd content is and who gets the most value? Yeah, so crowd content is, is a content writing platform. It's a, it, it works like a marketplace, so you can come in and find uh, freelance writers, freelance editors to help you with your content needs. But really, we have folks on the upper side of the market uh, which cont- with clients with high volume and high quality needs, um, and those are the customers that we serve the best because as uh, projects um, get larger, uh, and with a high quality bar, that's a very complex thing to do. So we have been able to marry those two conflicting, uh, conflicting goals, right? High quality and, and high scale are, are not the best of friends. So, but we were able to figure out a process to do that well. And I think clients that have large volume and are very, very interested in high quality and are willing to, to, to invest in high quality are the clients that really get the most out of our services. So essentially you match clients and their like needs to writers who are kind of registered in the in the platform is this yes writers editors and experts because we also bring subject matter experts sometimes subject matter experts are not writers and sometimes writers are not subject matter experts but we have uh that in our in our database as well so of course when clients come to us they they tell us this is this is what we're looking for and we help them find the best uh the best teams the best writers to help them uh uh, come through with those projects. Can I ask you what, in your opinion, makes a good marketplace? Is it like uh, what you just what you mentioned um, just now? Basically, maintaining high quality at scale. Is it something else beyond that? Matching that to great prices. Is it you know uh, something addition additional to There's that? There's a number of things that I think make make a marketplace successful or or a writing marketplace successful. One of them is the quality of the writers. So you have to have a very strict process to vet them and uh, 
and and check on them and make sure that the the good writers get rewarded and the not so good writers maybe um, are a better fit for for some other places. Um, and the more the better writers you you bring, the better clients you bring, the better clients you bring, then there will be better work for more writers for better writers. So it's a it's a virtual cycle. Uh, so that's one one thing. The the other thing is having a very seamless communication uh, workflow. And we have, we build our own technology and really what we, again, when I say we were able to marry high scale with high quality, uh, that's thanks to our workflow and the technology we have built to to make communication uh, easy uh, back and forth because this is a process that is not linear. There's a lot of back and forth between client and, and freelancer client and writers. So making that communication, that workflow management easy is also key. Um, and, and, and third is just um, having really the client's interests uh, at the core. And I know it's kind of obvious, but I, I, I know about other platforms. When clients come to us, they, they come from a different platform and say, look, we just couldn't get what we needed there. Uh, uh, it is like they didn't care. We care a lot. All of our people care a lot. Um, or writers, uh, or the culture of our company is all about you know uh, high performance and high high value for clients. So I think I think for any business, just just having the client the client at heart at the core of the operation is very important. But um, this is a service business, right? Um, it's, there's humans, there's creativity involved. So uh, service levels have to be um, have to be very very high. Can I ask you, going back to what you mentioned or kind of touched on regarding subject matter expertise, how do you vet for that? Like, uh, like how can you validate that someone who, who says they are an expert on like a certain topic? They yeah, are for us, yeah. I, an I, expert. And, and yeah, how, do you, so... how, how do you match those, uh, follow-up question, how do you match those writers and skills and subject matter experts to customer needs? Yeah, <laughs> it's not easy, but for us, we have the processes and because this is what we do 24 seven, we have now figured out a way to do it on a, on a scalable and repeatable manner. But, um, the process is an extensive process, right? So our selection process, they have to go through a vetting process that where we not only look at their credentials, like their resumes, we also look at their experience. Okay. Well, show me what you have done. You have samples of your work and you create a sample on a, on a spec now, right? So those are the kind of things that we do for subject matter experts. So there's a lot of trial and, trial and error, right? Because only their resume and their experience and whatever they say is not enough for us. We need to see proof of work. And then even when we match them with clients, so we look at our database and we, of course, look at what are the client needs and where is it the expertise what kind of expertise they need and even the, the expertise is like an intermediate expertise there's an advanced expertise do they need certain titles you were talking about about a, a medical doctor do they need certain certain to to be a licensed medical doctor right um so those kind of, so we look at the database what are the things that um the the client needs and they match it with with what people what experts are in our in our database a lot of the time we have to go out and find those experts because there is, uh, we have been asked for many topics um, under the sun, but there is a lot of new topics coming coming every day. And even within topics, there are subtopics and, and, and niches that we have never thought about 
but uh, we go and find them because that's what we are really good at to to find these 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 subject matter experts, vet them, and match them with the clients. Now, but there is is, is an iterative process, right? So we have to to test them and see them work a few times until we we're convinced that they're going to be a great match. Can I ask you something? I'm curious, cur- like generally interested, and just you know this this question popped to my mind right now as you were answering the the question. Do the writers that you have, like, do you have an exclusivity, let's say, agreement? They they just have to work for you, or do they work for other marketplaces as well? Uh, we don't have an exclusivity, exclusivity, and that's the beauty of it, right? Because that gives a lot of flexibility to the clients and the writers, right? Um, so a lot of our writers work for different marketplaces or different platforms, but we have a core a core group of writers that they call crowd content home. They're still freelancers. They don't have an exclusivity with us. Yeah, we don't have an exclusivity with them. But this is the platform that they that they like to work for the most, or where they they rather just work for one platform. I think talking to freelancers, their preference is to they like to be have the option to work with all of them, but they like to work for for one or two where they feel more comfortable. And you no, know, we have a a core a core group of writers that uh, call crowd content home. Yeah, and I would guess for them as well, like uh, the bulk of the revenue on a monthly basis would naturally come out of just a few, let's say, marketplaces or like clients or whatever. It can't be that like I split myself to 10 different marketplaces. Uh, now, obviously, this is a time of like many changes happening in, in our industry, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to to hear your thoughts um, on what these changes are as like as you see them it could be ai content short form and bite-sized content for social media um what what changes do you see right now we are in a very exciting time for our industry because there are so many changes and with change comes opportunity uh it might be change might be scary but i i'm always an optimist and i and i want to Look for the opportunity uh, where, where things are change, changing. So, of course, I think we'll talk about AI, but let's park that topic just for a second because that deserves its own its own section. But I think um, really where the bar is going going higher and higher. And let's talk about the search engine and let's talk about Google. But Google just last year, or I think it's over the last couple of years, there have been seven uh, uh, algorithm updates that have been focused on on the quality of the content, right? Some other algorithm updates are about certain specific things, but most of the the last ones have been all about um, content quality. Even the last ones have been uh, called helpful, helpful content updates. So the bar is getting so, so high that um, in the past, you could get away with just a lot of volume and just some keyword stuff. And now it's all about intent. It's all about really creating great content that is going to be created for humans by humans that is going to be very helpful, right? And to be very helpful, you need to solve a problem. You need to put effort. Now, I don't know if you heard recently that um, Google came with another E on their EAT, now EAT, and they also said an effort. So they don't they didn't put effort into the EEAT because it would be EEAT, but they, they talked about, okay, we're going to, the, the quality rating uh, guidelines 
They are going to look at experience, which is not the same as expertise, but also going to look at how much effort put the creator of this content. So the quality just keeps going up. Uh, Bite-sized content, yes. Uh, so I think with that, the, the, the prominence of TikTok uh, and, and YouTube uh, short videos, um, yes. I'm just not quite sure um, if that's going to be sustainable in the, in, the, in the long run. I think it'll be a space for it, but is all content going that way? I don't think so. Um, I was reading a piece from Anne Hanley just recently where, where she's, is to, the case that she's making uh, about uh, she's not agreeing with this snackable content or the bite-sized content because she's like, look, if, if people want snack uh, bite-sized content, people wouldn't sit down and binge watch Netflix for five hours. People just want content that is engaging, that they're interested on. So I think there's a place for, for bite-sized content, uh, but it won't be the, the main thing. I think the quality of art is going to continue to go up. Um, and AI actually is going to contribute to that ironically, because what ha what is happening with AI is leveling the playing field. Even everybody, the, 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 the ability to create con uh, a lot of content, giving everybody the ability to, to create content very quickly, very, very efficiently. So if everybody can create content or at least written content very efficiently, um, really what kind of content is going to stand out? And that's going to be like really exceptional content, maybe multi-asset, multimedia, interactive content, really helpful content, almost like uh, artisanal content, so to speak, or like highly crafted content. So those are the big changes I see in the industry. The quality bar just keeps going up, keeps going up. And AI, ironically, is going to push that quality bar up rather than down. That's a, that's an optimistic way to see it. And also, I, I think that, yeah, there will be so much content out there that inevitably, like, the, the level will have to go up. Otherwise, because... I mean, what's the, I wonder sometimes what's the point of it all, right? Like, let's say that you can spit out 100,000 words tomorrow, right? I mean, what's the point? Who's going to read that content? Like, most likely no one. And also for a search engine like Google, which in 2023 is still the most prominent search engine, even though many people are rushed to say that, you know what, like Bing is going to dominate and whatever. I don't know. No one knows, I guess, at this point. But it's going to be very difficult to crawl that content and give it a position, let's say, in this like search ecosystem, right? So many things that arise from AI content in general, and many many issues like some ethical ones, some some moral ones, uh, financial ones for sure. But I would like to um, to hear your thoughts on AI content, I, and also I've seen that some marketplaces similar to crowd content have already taken a stance and opened new service lines based on generative content is crowd content going to follow look i think ai as anything is a is a tool it's a technology and it's very interesting and and you know there are many applications for it and of course because you and i are in the content market industry we focus we focus a lot in 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 gener generative AI, which is the, the one used for copywriting. Uh, but I think it's a very interesting tool. And like any new technology tool, 
you need to um, to understand it and experiment and, and, and see what what really is. Uh, I think we're going through the adoption curve um, and there's, you know, there are different uh, adoption curves and also kind of um, hype curves. So there's like every new technology, there's this phase of hype, you know, what happened with NFTs, what happened with, uh, with Bitcoin. And I think we're going through that with, uh, with chat GPT. Generative AI has been around for a, for a while now. It's not it's not something new, but ChatGPT kind of brought in all that buzz um, uh, into the, into the spotlight. So I just think we need to to wait for the dust to settle a little bit uh, and see what really is going to be the best or in a stable use cases for AI. So what is the point of it all? I, I agree with you. Like, just we shouldn't be creating content for the sake of creating content. So how should we be using AI? And I think AI should be used to eliminate the drudgery of creating content. There's a lot of things that have to happen um, around content creation. And what a lot of people don't understand, because you know, rightfully so, they're not in an industry, what they understand is composition or content writing is might be just 30% of the overall amount of work that you have to put into producing a piece of content, right? You have to do um, strategy, ideation, competitive research, um, you know. Uh, briefing. Briefing, you have to create your briefs. Um, also, the technical things that have to go around it, then you have to do the composition, and then you have to do editorial review, and then you have to optimize the content for SEO, and then you have to polish it, and then you have to put images, you have to have a schema markup. Like, you know, when you add all those the things that need to be done, composition is just a part of it. So can we eliminate some of those more manual tasks? Can we use AI for ideation, for maybe rephrasing, um, for content audit? Uh, I don't know. For content optimization, maybe maybe we can. Um, maybe we can use it for some of the composition as well, but I, I don't think it's going to be 100%. Maybe it's 10%, 20%, 30%. But can we use it uh, as a tool for productivity, eliminate some of the drudgery of, of, or some of the more mundane tasks and put that time back into creating better content. And I think that's what will happen. Smart, smart uh, content creators will find the best use cases for AI, which won't be pushing a button and creating an article. I'm sorry, but I don't think that's where good content is going to go. There will be people that will try to do it, but I don't think they're going go to they're gonna get too far. But smart, smart content marketers um, will find the best use cases for it, and they'll optimize their their time, and then they take that time and reclaim some of that time and create better content. Right? Invested in creativity, invested in creating other types of assets. I think video video is becoming uh, more and more prominent. I think um, I was reading a, a study from from Content Marketing Institute, and I think. The main, the main content type is, of course, uh, blogs and articles. And then the second most common content type uh, is video used, but I think uh, written uh, content is 87% and then video is like 85% of companies using as a type of content. I think video is going to become more prominent. Um, and I'm not thinking about AI video. I'm thinking about like real video, like uh, people talking and being a little bit more genuine because uh, people are going to crave more uh, in, a, in an age where a lot of the content is going to be synthetic, uh, people are going to create more human and genuine content. What's CrowdCon stands 
on all this. I mean, Minusia, we I, I recorded a, a, an episode actually for the South Asia so where we share our thoughts, some predictions, and also, you know, say that we as a company monitor the changes and kind of try to integrate that to do some of the more mundane tasks, as you mentioned, like title tags, meta descriptions, you know, yeah. some of these things. But we will not use it for for content creation, at least at this point, because you know, never say never. But yeah. I would like to hear your thoughts because there are some marketplaces that already took a stance and they they just opened new service lines. Yes, we use it, and uh, obviously it's cheaper than our like human written content. But I would like to hear your your stance. Yeah. So uh, we we made an acquisition last year and. This acquisition had a very small brand uh, called Rocket Content that was experimenting with AI-produced content. Uh, that was launched in no so that Rocket Content was launched in November 2021. And has been we had it for over a year, and it's been very successful at taking um, generative AI, producing content, and using human editors to make it um, to make it a high-quality piece. However, we have been very, very transparent with our clients. Look, this type of content is for clients that want to experiment with topics and uh, want to experiment with certain, uh, they're not sure about certain uh, niches or certain topics and they want to experiment with it. So it's kind of, you know, cheap way to experiment with it. And we're experimenting with it as well because this is our new technology. So we we, we were very curious about how this would um it was evolved and we knew AI was coming and we're we're in we, we want to think of ourselves as innovators and we want to be on the bleeding edge of technology. We would never want to be like an ostrich with, with our head in, in the sand just denying technology. We wanted to, to be part of it. And if if anything, we want to disrupt ourselves. Now we think AI is is a tool like any other technology tool and need to be used properly in an ethical way. Um so or stance with our clients and our public stances, look, we'll use AI where there's a, a case for it, but the clients are paying for human content, we'll get human content. And we'll be very transparent about it. If you want human content, this is what you're getting. And we're we're ma making sure that we're controlling and auditing our, our writers to make sure that they're using, they're not using AI to produce something that is supposed to be human, human produced. And the clients that, are, that want AI and are okay with that, then we'll be very transparent about it. So we're embracing the technology. We're still in the early days of experimenting. I didn't want to just have a knee-jerk reaction and just launch a product without really knowing uh, because even the clients, they're not sure, right? Like there's so much noise in the media and all that stuff, but the clients and the sophisticated clients, they're still like, you know, they're being cautious about it because they don't want to be, punished by whether it's search engines or their audiences, right? They don't want to, um, the, the good clients that really care, they don't want to, they're intrigued about how they can use it, but they don't want to just jump on the, on the bandwagon and, and start using it. Um, so we're also being very, very cautious and, and moving, moving slowly, but surely. So we're doing some experiments with some, some of the sophisticated clients to see, okay, what is, what is the right use case for it? Is there a use case for it? Might be, okay, use, let's use it for 10% of the piece, 20%. I don't know. I don't know where the things are going to go, but we're going to be watching it and, and, and we're going to be evolving. By the way, what is the feedback that you get from the market? Like, 
are most clients open to using it or they they just you know uh, feel that it's not worth the risk all over potential, the place potential risk they're all over the place some clients are still like nope i don't i don't want to i don't want to touch it i don't want you to touch it you need to 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 assure me that you're not gonna the the content you produce me produce for me doesn't have it yet and we totally respect that there are clients that are, are all for it and want to really go forward and see where it goes and there are others that are more like cautious they're like um kind of in the middle watching what happens but still willing to experiment so they're they're you know in different in different stages and we are also i think most more in the middle like okay we want to embrace the technology but we also don't want to just jump on the hype wagon and 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 and, and you know burn burn a reputation burn our clients more than anything we we want to make sure that our clients get what they what they what they need um and we cannot do that if we're using a technology we're just experimenting with i agree with you and i like this approach more because as you as you like repeatedly mentioned throughout the episode so far i, I think that we are Right now, there's a lot of noise and kind of like a panic, right? And we yeah. are in a, we are in a like panic mode. And I don't think that the best thing to to do right now is to say that you know what? Yeah, it seems that this there's a hype around this thing. Let's like uh, say that we we use it and we adopt it just because right now everyone's talking about it, right? Because you never know. Everyone was talking about NFTs, and you know, by no <laughs> means I'm the the expert when it comes to NFTs or any of these things. And like, I cannot give advice. But as far as I hear right now, or I don't hear so much these days, you know, the hype is kind of over, right? So I'm not saying that the same thing will happen with with AI content. I'm just saying that I agree with your approach. Let's take things slowly. Yes, we monitor the the changes and we we watch the changes and we experiment with things. But yeah, I think that it's better to to let the like uh, dust settle down a bit and then take a stance after like knowing and having data and so on and so forth. One interesting thing at Minusia, we have a a form um, for people to leave feedback. For for people okay. you know who work at the company and uh -huh. and of course without a name or anything it's it's anonymous feedback right and I didn't like I didn't know about that but taking a look at the feedback we we received lately I I saw that some of our writers are actually um, concerned right what is the future of the company is is the company going to replace that uh, replace us and I was like do people really think about that I mean. You know, it's it's pretty clear that we are not doing this. But I would like to hear your thoughts if you get any like concerns or anything like that from your writers, whether you know their their future is uh, I don't know uh, at stake. Yeah, I, look, I, I I think rightfully so uh, in a way. Uh, there is so much noise, and it's it's hard to filter through the noise, right? Um, I actually find uh, uh, funny that you mentioned that you you have uh, kind of a forum and you have feedback from writers. I was reading this morning a, a Reddit a Reddit thread where you know some writers were talking about that, and I uh, and I found it very very interesting. And I would say some writers should be worried about it because and I say writers quote unquote because we come across many not great writers. 
right? They call themselves writers, but you know, and uh, look, I personally, I'm I'm a horrible writer, and I I think that probably AI can write better than I do, but that's not like luckily that's not my job. So, but I think the bottom end of the market, like you know, you you there are so many marketplaces out there, and some that probably you know, and and we we're not going to mention names, but where we know it's just content mills and they're just churning content and you know and they they take any writer so i think those those companies are gonna are gonna be uh, you know are gonna have more challenges because some of their the writing the quality is comparable what ai can do maybe even the writers there are using ai to produce the content so i think some writers should be worried and this should be an opportunity to polish their skills and think okay how can became more unique how can i i i i I um, create a better piece of content that is more original, has a you know, has a, a more human touch. So how can I um, differentiate myself from the machines? The machines are going to start sounding very similar fairly soon, because I mean all the content is going to start fairly similar fairly soon because everybody's creating from the same models. Yep. Right. So there's going to be a lot of content out there created from the same NLP models or LLM models. Um, and they're all going to start sounding the same. So, um, you need, we need to, to be unique and as writers, they, they need to be unique and original and, and add value. So they, I think, so the, the, the writers that might be in that lower, lower end of the market, they, they, there's an opportunity for them to step up. I, I agree. And I think that they definitely need to hone their skills and try like work harder. And also I think that's topic agnostic writers will have a uh may have a like a you know difficult time because i mean if you are not a real subject matter su subject matter expert even if it's like in two topics i can write great content about these two topics just these two topics right uh yeah it's it's not a very defensible let's say uh position position to be because well guess what if you are not a real subject matter expert now ai content or maybe not now but moving forward in the future may be in the position to like replace many of the things that you can do but i think that writers who are like who have developed um subject matter expertise and also can like write content great content beyond just con that's created for a search audience i think that you know, they, they don't have anything to be afraid for now. Uh, at least. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I think there's a really a brilliant point, George. Like uh, if, if as a writer, you're better off probably specializing in, in one or two verticals or maybe one vertical, right? right? Where you can really sharpen your, your sword and, and um, um, become an, a subject matter expert, right? That's I think that's, that's where writers have the better, the better odds of being successful in the future. What changes, what other changes do you see, uh, or what changes do you see uh, the commoditization of content, like bringing to the content SEO industry? And I mean, I, I'm looking for different, from, from things that go beyond the basics, like, yeah, the obvious ones, like pr a price decrease when it comes to content, the content is going to be cheaper or anything like that. What other things do you see and like potential challenges for for people working in this industry from the commoditization of content. Yeah, I mean, 
to be quite honest, I think hunting has been commodity being commoditized for a while, right? Like again, the 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 popularity of of content agencies or or freelance writing um, has brought a, a a bunch of content into the industry, which has become commoditized to a point. So now the com- com- commoditization will become worse. Um, I'm not sure where the prices are going to go, to be quite honest with you. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to go down. Uh, Some people maybe using AI on their own will really become more, much cheaper because what, what happened? I'm talking to a client the other day and they said something very smart. So yeah, I think we're just doing a trade-off because the time that we're saving on the composition is time that we now have to put back on the editorial review. So you know what I mean? And we're switching money from one bucket to the other. So um, I, I'm not sure, but I think the challenge is it's going to be hyper competitive now because again, AI is going to be leveling the playing field, not only with, with writing, but also with images and, and even video. But um, a lot of people are going to be able to produce a lot of content. So yeah, there'll be a flood, a tsunami of content that is going to be now hyper commoditized and it's going to be harder to stand out. So I think uh, actually people are going to have to invest more. Ironically, as as AI makes it cheaper to everyone, um, people that want to stand out will have to invest more. And that's just um, where I think it will go. And it's going to be harder because other people won't have the resources um, to compete, right, with brands that that are that are uh, that have the resources to do that. Um, again, I was reading a report the other day where where they were saying the there was a survey and they were saying people that have spent two thousand or more on a piece of content are the ones that seen the most success. And maybe they'll continue to rise because you know it's not just the, the the written piece, but if you're putting an interactive piece to it, if you're putting a video, uh, if you're putting also some some takeaway downloadable asset, um, and all the tech that goes around putting that content, um, it's just going to become more expensive for, for some brands. Now, I think the other challenge is we're going to see more hyper-personalization and micro-audiences. And today, people you know talk about personas, but I think there will be sub-personas or micro-personas, right? And you will have to hyper-personalize, hyper-personalize your content and maybe one piece of content will have to be rewritten four or five times for the different audiences, right? Because it's going to be harder to stand out and harder to compete. Uh, so your generic content for everybody uh, is not going to cut it anymore. So you're going to have to hyper-personalize. And maybe we can use AI to, to help us do that. And to that, I think brand, voice, and tone are going to become a more important thing than, 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 than ever before because you want to sound more human and more genuine. So... Uh, brand brand uh, strategy, voice uh, strategy, and uh, brand voice governance is going to become more prevalent. So, you know, if, if anything, things are going to become more challenging. Uh, but we'll have more technology to help some of the drudgery and the and the, the lower end tasks. So we can put, put the time back into those more complex stuff. I like your point about adjusting your con for different, like, micro audiences, let's say. And in general, many of the things that you like touched on are also things and notions that we have and push for internally. One of the things that we say and try to sort of like quote unquote evangelize is this idea of 
original content, which includes anything from like data studies, surveys, personal narratives, third third person narratives, uh, contrarian content, and so on and so forth. And I think that, you know, that's way more defensible, right? Creating a survey or like uh, running a data study or anything of that sort is not as easy to execute by AI or like the, yeah. the bar is higher, right? Which means that less people will do it, which means that inevitably, if you are the one who's doing it, you will stand up, right? So yeah. I think that in the future, we should see more of that in order to, let's say, avoid the, the commoditization of content and also having pieces of content look so much like every other piece of content out there and have a sea of like seamless <laughs> on the on the serps and like in this whole content ecosystem. Anyway, this was all very interesting. Uh, as we are like uh, getting ready to to wrap things up, I would like to ask uh, my my second to last uh, question. Actually, uh, what can we expect from crowd crowd content in the future? I saw, for example, that you are expanding to Europe by attending uh, Brighton SEO this year. Anything else we we can expect uh, from from you, uh, folks, and that you can share with us? Yeah, so many many things. Like like we were talking before before uh, starting the uh, the episode, um, we're very very busy trying to uh, evolve our strategy and really understand where the where the market is going. So and where we need to be for. So we'll be in Europe. Uh, we're going to Brian SEO. I'll be speaking, so uh, hopefully some folks get to get to go there. And and very interesting conference. Not talking too about my about my talk, but I think the conference is really interesting. But uh, yeah, we we continue to expand into other markets. Um, but more than that, we're uh, doing a lot of investment in the technology because what we notice is again, all this race of AI is going to create more complexity and. Our clients still have um, many challenges into the workflow and into the content value chain, if if anything, right? So I think there are many pieces to it. There are many stakeholders, and it's a complex and messy process. So we're investing in our technology to, to see how we can help our clients make that process faster. Where can they gain productivity by applying AI, right? Like we were talking about. Uh, maybe ideation, um, title tagging, all that stuff that could that could be automated. Um, so we'll be probably launching launching some some software products in the in the in the near future um, to again help our clients and add more value. But very excited, very exciting times. Um, so yeah, you will see some some innovation from our end um, and coming out with some solutions uh, to solve some problems that are still unsolved. Um, so yeah, that's 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 probably what's coming in the near future. And we'll be we're investing heavy on thought leadership. So we're producing a, a, a series of webinars. Uh, we're bringing experts. So we'd have Lily Ray, we'd have Ranch Fishkin, we're bringing Anne Hanley, and probably potentially uh, Mike King in the in the near future. We just had somebody from from Google just I think just yesterday. So a lot of thought leadership because I think. Um, the, the, there's still a lot of knowledge that needs to be spread out in the market. And, you know, the market changes so quickly that we need to help people keep up with, with the trends. So, uh, yeah, more thought leadership from Warren. I agree. And, like, it's interesting because as an insider, many times you think that 
you take things for granted and you think like, yeah, people know these things. Like, you know, we know them. <laughs> so we assume that other people know yeah. them as well. Well, not quite right because we, we constantly see that like we started doing webinars as well uh, this, this year and we were kind of like excited to see, to get the feedback and to see that people actually want to attend and want more knowledge. Um, so even though there is a lot of content out there, I think there's room for and space for even more content, but hopefully, you know, better uh, content. Uh, last question I have for you, where can people find out more and get in touch? Yeah, well, LinkedIn, um, I, I'm, I'm fair. Oh, I, I try to be as active as, as I can. I'm, I'm in Twitter as well. Um, and just directly, uh, people can reach out to me, carlos.mesa at uh, crowdcontent.com. Always open to hear from people. Carlos, that was very insightful. And I, I hope we, we will be able to have a, a follow-up conversation when we will be in a different stage of the adoption curve uh, when it comes to AI, AI content. Um, yeah. Let's see when that happens. Um, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, looking forward to future discussions like this. Yeah, well, thank you, George, for having me. That's very kind of you to have uh, ha invited me to your show. And uh, look, we'd love to stay in touch. Um, and uh, yeah, we should we should see if there, there's some work that we can, we can do together being in the same industry. So yeah, uh, it was it was a blast also um, having this chat with you. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahers.com AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.